Hello, this is Omaya Jones, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week in Review podcast for Friday, January 12th, 2024. Thanks for joining us. This week, Editor-in-Chief Austin Bailey and Managing Editor Benjamin Hardy update us on the status of a number of proposed ballot amendments, the status of H.S. Hutchinson's standing in the Republican primary ahead of the Iowa caucus, and new developments on the Board of Corrections dispute with Joe Perfiri. So, Austin, there's a number of proposed ballot measures that are floating around out there right now um, of of various uh, political persuasions, various levels of seriousness, perhaps. Uh, They all kind of have the common quality of being hung up at the attorney general's office right now. And so I was thinking we could do just a quick quick rundown of what what is what is out there, what's been filed and where different things stand on on a few topics that we're interested in. Sure, I will do my best, although it's changing and there's a lot and it's hard to keep up with. But earlier... So so we, um, everything you hear may be inaccurate. Right. By the time you hear this, it will almost certainly be outdated. But uh, this week earlier, um, there is a group called For Our Kids, and they are focused on equity and education, uh, kind of in reaction to the Arkansas Learns Act, which pretty much delivers uh, inequity in education. So this group put forth an educational rights amendment of 2024, And basically what that would do is require private schools that accept public funding in the form of vouchers to meet the same academic standards that public schools have to meet. Of course, this means that private schools that are accepting vouchers won't be able to exclude students based on disability, academics, moral sexual orientation, moral religious beliefs. Uh, So I, I... I don't know that it's going to be a, a welcome idea, but that that of course got rejected. And, and um, I think the attorney general kind of cited that right as like this is like a First Amendment issue that you're forcing private schools to do, um, uh, you know, church affiliated schools perhaps to, to. Yes, this is one of those every accusations is a confession situations. Tim Griffin did say, "Wow, this is infringes on the freedom of religion." of religious schools, I guess, basically to to discriminate if they want to, maybe. But these are the schools that were sending public money. Absolutely. I think, right, if they want to discriminate, I think that maybe they should just turn away the public money. And maybe, I guess they maybe would have to if this passed. But Tim Griffin doesn't seem to like it. And it looks like they're going to have a hard time getting it through. Well, let's move on to the status of the uh, the abortion-related proposal that that Right. So the group that's pushing this one seems to be um, the the most chipper of all of them and the most positive. Uh, They're on their third try, um, but feeling pretty good about their chances. This amendment would... Uh, is in reaction to Arkansas's almost total ban on abortion. Currently, as you know, women in Arkansas cannot access abortion care almost at all, um, except when they are at death's door. This uh, would change that to allow abortion access up to 18 weeks. Um, Also, in cases of rape, incest, um, health of the mother, not just life of the mother, and in cases of fatal fetal anomaly. Um, They're on their third try, and uh, it it sounds like the uh, disagreements are over, you know, legalese that can be addressed and fixed, and and they seem to have uh, a good attitude about it. So that one's okay. Yeah, I do recall the first first try there, the... AG had a long list of objections around like sort of vague terms, but they have sort of, they managed to, to iron those out. 
Right. Well, I mean, well, it remains to be seen, to be but seen. but everyone's still in a good mood about it. Okay. Yes. Okay. Maybe not so much with the um, the Freedom of Information Act uh, proposal or the government transparency proposal that is on the table. And you you were just yesterday, I think, attending a Zoom meeting um, about that group's next step. So where are they at in, in their process? Well, this one is extra confusing. So forgive me, but this group, uh, Arkansas Citizens for Transparency, of course, is made up of Republicans, Democrats, independents, a delightful mixed bag of politicos from across the state who are united in pretty much nothing except their dedication to government transparency. So this group is proposing a, uh, a constitutional amendment to enshrine freedom of information access and also um, an initiated act that addresses some of the persnickety pieces of the existing law. Um, so they are, they, they are having a hard time of it. Last night, there was a Zoom meeting, and Jen Standifer, an attorney in Bentonville who's taking the lead on the on the legal part of this said that uh, the, the rejection that, that the group got this week from Tim Griffin was scolding, um, belittling, just uh, politically motivated. Uh, she said she felt that the way forward here was not going to be cooperating and coming to um, an agreement and a compromise, but most likely, most likely it would be through the courts. So, yeah. They've they they've seemed to be you know pretty much um, resigned to going to the Supreme Court. Yeah. On this. Yeah. And 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 it's interesting because there's another another group uh, that is led by retired Colonel Conrad Reynolds, who's a, a close uh, big fan of Donald Trump, uh, and seems to subscribe to some of the conspiracy theories around the 2020 election with you know uh, election fraud and so on. Um, his group's pushing for a switch to hand-marked paper ballots and also uh, stringent rules around absentee ballots, pretty bad rules that would eliminate a lot of absentee voting. Um, so, you know, very different politically than, than many of these groups, but they are also running into problems with the Attorney General's office and, and have just filed suit um, challenging this whole process. Uh, they're asking, they're kind of the first to, to be petitioning the Supreme Court directly now for um, for the, the court to say that, that the attorney general is overstepping his constitutional authority and not, and not certifying some of these measures. Well, at least Griffin is, you know, he, equal opportunity. Evidently. Though he, he did, I will say, he, uh, he did sign off on the, uh, the bad absentee ballot mm. <laughs> uh, ah, one sure. just today. Though um, I think the group still seems to have some problems with the way that he rewrote the ballot title. Um, in any case, we'll have to we'll have to watch that. And just one more, since we're since we're talking about this, just today, there was a proposal filed by a group that is looking to expand medical marijuana access in Arkansas. So this is um, this is a group that is hoping to make it easier to get a mar- medical marijuana card. There's also a grow your own provision for patients to grow up to seven plants at home, and uh, it would expand sort of scope of practice for non-physician medical providers to to write cards. So basically just like making it much easier. Like good pharmacists write them? I, I believe nurse practitioners, physician assistants. So um, anyway, you know, of course, voters rejected a recreational or adult use, whatever you call it, um, amendment in 2022. This is not that, so not sort of blanket retail sales, but definitely expanding access 
to marijuana. Interesting. Um, yeah. But that one was just, just submitted today, so we don't know what the Attorney General is going to do. So, Benji, you have been paying attention to our former governor, Asa Hutchinson, this week. He is tootling around Iowa, is my understanding. Um, has a big day coming up, Monday, uh, Iowa caucuses. What are his chances looking like? Yeah, you know, as we sit here right now, it's Friday and the temperature is rapidly dropping. And, I, and all we've been talking about all week is the winter weather blowing in, which is like definitely going to affect turnout in the caucuses. Um, I mean, um, that's just that's just bound to happen. But um, I think whatever I mean, whatever turnout is, whatever happens, Ace's chances are uh, absolutely zero. Um, you know, he polls at below one percent, which is pretty much where he's been ever since uh, polling started. He has, you know, his campaign has failed to gain traction with, with re- Republican voters and. I think that comes as a surprise to just about nobody because he's been delivering a message from the beginning that most Republican voters don't want to hear. Um, he's very committed to to saying that Donald Trump's behavior in the 2020 election was unacceptable and that um, the indictments that he's facing around the country make him should disqualify him for the job. Um, you know, he has occupied this lane of being sort of more explicitly anti-Trump than any of the other Republicans, except for perhaps former New Jersey governor, Chris Christie, who just dropped out of the race this week. But um, I mean, again, that, that's not going to win him any, any, uh, do him any favors in Iowa. So this is, these are harsh truths. It's kind of painful to, to, to think about um, Asa Hutchinson riding around Iowa right now, um, kind of confused about, you know, why he's still in the race. You had a really great piece this week where you kind of noted the history. Asa is pretty used to, to running races that he knows he's going to lose. Uh, he did that in Arkansas for many years before he finally won. But um, what what's he doing right now? Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's funny also, like, he has gotten sort of disproportionate national media attention in the way that sometimes candidates that strike the national media's fancy will in presidential races. Um, there is kind of a rash of like, you know, who is Asa Hutchinson? Like uh, fairly flattering, but also like, you know, he's going to lose pieces. Like right. and, those were a few months ago. What about his French cuffs? Everyone really liked the cuts of his suits. Yes. That was yes, flattering. Yes. He got just like a lot of, uh, his, he's been talking about restoring normalcy to the Republican Party. It's kind of a funny counterpoint to Sarah Sanders also, you know, wants to restore, you know, talks a lot about Arkansas being this bastion of normal, though they have very different visions of what normal looks like. But um, but anyhow, um, there's been like a few other, you know, a few new pieces recently. The New York Times and the Washington Post wrote just this week about kind of following the last gasp of ACES campaign around, around Iowa and I mean, kind of saying, posing this question, like, yeah, what is he doing? Why is he still in it? And, you know, he says that he, he feels it's important that somebody be saying these things, that somebody still be, you know, within the Republican Party, um, be willing to, to, to speak that message. And, you know, I do think there is something to this, the fact that he's been, uh, yeah, I mean, he was a Republican in Arkansas for decades when Republicans lost almost every everywhere in the state, you know. Um, I mean, he was successful politically himself uh, as a young man, but he lost, um, yeah, he lost again and again. And I think he, that is kind of, um, maybe he's got the constitution for that, though you also kind of can't help but wonder, I mean, he's in his seventies, his time as governor is over, like, what is his political future? Like, is he just kind of having a hard time saying 
it's time to quit. So the battle between the Arkansas Board of Corrections and Governor Sarah Sanders continued this week. It was pretty exciting, actually. Uh, we were all excited. Yeah. Oh, yes. The Secretary of Corrections, Joe Profiri, who came here from Arizona, um, handpicked by Sarah Sanders, got fired. What is that about? The backstory here is long, and we won't go into all the details, but... Um, in December, the board suspended Joe Profiri, who is the head of the Department of Corrections. And I always feel like we should kind of clarify some of the structure here. So um, corrections means both the prison system and also other you know, related things like probation system, et cetera. Um, the Board of Corrections has oversight over that department, but the executive is, of the department is the secretary, and that person is appointed by the governor. But traditionally, the board has oversight over the secretary and can, you know, uh, they're the ones that sort of are the final say about what happens in the department. Uh, Joe Profiri wanted to add additional prison beds to around the state, and the governor very much wanted to do that, too. The Board of Corrections said that was not a good idea, that it was unsafe to move as quickly on some of the plans that they did. Um, Profiri and the governor pushed ahead anyway. And then in December, the Board of Corrections said, no, you don't, uh, we're suspending you, and filed a lawsuit sort of challenging the, the legitimacy of a couple of laws that uh, were passed in the last legislative session that, that uh, purport to give the governor more control over the, over the secretary. Anyway, so there's court cases that are ongoing. This is eventually going to be resolved by the state Supreme Court. But in the meantime, yes, the board met um, this, this week and sort of pulled the trigger on this firing. I mean, they, 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 you know, they, they said, well, we got to do one of a few things. We got to either reinstate him or sort of continue the suspension or just let him go. So they, they let him go effective immediately. So, but he still has a job though, right? Well, so, right. So later that evening, the governor sent out a, a release, uh, I mean, unsurprisingly kind of blasting the board's move as being a political stunt. And then, pulled a political son of her own by uh, saying that she was going to hire Profiri and her within the governor's office as a senior advisor. Um, I don't think we've gotten any details yet about what the terms of that are, like what his salary will be and um, what his job will be exactly. But um, yeah, I mean, clearly. Well, I, I know he needs to pack up his stuff because he's getting kicked out of the uh, Board of Corrections provided housing that he was in. Right. Yeah. That was, I think, news to us that, that, that the Secretary of Corrections was provided a house. But. Right. Well, it, but he has, but he does have 30 days to, to vacate. Yeah. So that's, that's something. One thing that's pretty interesting to me is the messaging around this. Um, the, the Board of Corrections uh, has said that this is, you know, this is about autonomy of the board and, you know, kind of points back to a constitutional amendment that protected the independence of boards and commissions and and basically says they're saying this is a power grab by the governor and we need to maintain our authority for the betterment of the correction system. Whereas people uh, supporting Profiri say this is about getting bad guys off the streets, uh, the Arkansas is in danger because the Board of Corrections is stonewalling this. Um, so anyway, it's, it's just a really interesting um, case study in, in messaging. So I guess we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. Um, it should also, we should also note, I guess, the, the, the vote was five to two. It's a seven-member board. So 
of the two no votes, one was the most recently appointed member who Sarah Sanders just placed on the board in December, um, Brandon Tillette, I believe is his name. And he replaced outgoing board member Whitney Gass, who had been ser- serving on the board for many years and was seeking reappointment. So, and the way this works is, I mean, the governor cannot just fire people on the Board of Corrections. If she could, she surely would have by now. But uh, she does appoint new members or reappoint members. And so um, Gass's term was up, and um, but she was one of the ones who had voted to suspend Porfiri back in December. So not a huge surprise that Sanders replaced her with somebody else. And not a huge surprise that the man that she chose should vote um, on her, you know, uh, against the rest of the board in January. But, I mean, those, you know, she has really limited options here because um, those new appointments only come up fairly rarely. So it will take a long time for her to stack the board with the, the people that she wants to see on it. I guess one other thing that just sort of occurred to me with, with all of this, I mean, it's, we hear so little about the correction system oftentimes. It's only like when there is a, disaster you know <laughs> um and it's it's easy to like to take the board side for for us i think because like naturally it's like kind of the governor is, is being um i mean they're standing up to her and and i think you know the checks and balances are, are a real concern on the other hand i mean it's just i think just worth thinking about like the sort of backdrop the larger backdrop of like the understaffed overcrowded prison system, the facilities that are crumbling, just like the sort of terrible things that go on there <laughs> every day. And, um, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not saying, I'm not quite sure how to think of that in terms of this of this power struggle, other than just to, to think about the, the system as a whole is clearly just very broken. And um, I don't know that anybody is really, like, <laughs> that's really f- f- front of mind for anybody. Involved. Sure. Like, regardless of what happens with Joe Perferi, Arkansas, Arkansas still incarcerates a ridiculously high percentage of its population. Uh, we continue to struggle to adequately staff corrections facilities, and we continue to really need to look at um, how putting so many people in prison has failed to decrease our crime rate so yeah it's a mess yeah i mean and it's it's i mean it's kind of comical to hear like sarah sanders refer to like the soft on crime board of corrections like these people that have been like running the prison system in the state for like decades for some of them you know i mean that's clearly i mean that's just like the talking point the go-to talking point and we know that that's not true but um also yeah like it's it's i wish that somebody was talking about like a you know addressing the larger problems. So Austin, do you have any endorsements today? I do. Well, since the Arctic hammer is coming down on central Arkansas, looking, you know, to a long weekend, possibly into next week of being trapped at home, uh, it was just recently brought to my attention that Costco has a brand of Prosecco. It's Kirkland Prosecco. And it's affordable. Um, the packaging leaves something to be this desired. Really sounds like a sponsored content, thing, right? I know, right? They should pay me for this. But what I'm saying is, it's gonna maybe snow. It's gonna be cold. Get some prosecco. You can get it for cheap at Costco. Have at it. Great. I've never been to a Costco. Um, maybe now's the time. I, I think so. So, Benji, do you have any endorsements to go along with my Costco prosecco? Yeah, uh, I want to give a shout out to a cookbook that I and my girlfriend have been using a lot this year, or last year, I guess. Um, it's To Asia with Love by Hetty McKinnon. 
She is a, uh, I believe she lives in New York, but she was raised in Australia to Chinese immigrant parents. And the book is, it's just full of great accessible recipes. It's, uh, I believe it's all vegetarian, though you, I think it's one of those books where you don't really even notice that. I mean, that's not the focus of the book. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, that's great because I, I'm not a committed vegetarian, but I like to eat a lot of meat-free meals and um, I, I like Asian cooking a lot. And a lot of times, I mean, meat just figures so heavily in Chinese cooking. Um, these are not traditional Chinese recipes, really, but it's it's a mix, I'd say, of sort of traditional things that she learned from her mother and um, Australian influence, American influence, sort of all over influence. Um, and um, there's lots of great noodle dishes, lots of great uh, lots of great things that you can make without, I mean, sort of repeated um, trips to uh, Mr. Chen's or whatever your favorite Asian store is. So that does help. Um, yeah, I could go into details, but I'd advise you just to just to check it out or um, uh, look it up at the library if, if available. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to the Arkansas Times Week in Review podcast. We'll see you next week.